Hello, and welcome to You Are a Storyteller. This episode was filmed many weeks ago before COVID-19 became serious enough to keep us indoors. Our team is currently practicing social distancing and catching up on our favorite films. Wherever you are, we hope that you are doing well and staying safe and healthy. Even though we may be apart, we are all in this together. What is the golden theme? Every story has a, a theme, mm-hmm. right? Every story has a, an armature, what we call armature, um, a, a reason to be told, yeah. right? But I thought, well, there's something underneath that. There's something below that. There's mm-hmm. something that all stories have in common. It's the thing behind the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the thing I found was that we are all the same. On this week's episode of You Are a Storyteller, Brian and Jesse discuss Brian's book, The Golden Theme, and that the book talks about how all stories share one big message. We are all the same. So this is a, this is going to be a funny episode because I can't believe we haven't done this before. Sure. I was looking at our shelf and I was like, we've never talked about the Golden Theme, which um, is one of your books. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of set up, what's really interesting is like the, what would you call that? The subtitle? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Is how to make your writing appeal to the highest common denominator. Like what's interesting about that is like, no one talks about the highest common denominator. Yeah. And so I'm excited to talk about this today. Cause not only will I help, I think it will help people with writing in general, but also hopefully help them see, um, a larger thread mm-hmm. that will not only make their work better, but also hopefully connect them to other people. Sure. Right. Um, and so as we get into this, can you just, before we get into like the nuts and bolts and how you came up with it and all this kind of stuff, why did you add that sub- the highest common denominator? Why, 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 why is that there? Uh, well, it's hard to talk about that with, without talking about. Here's what I was looking for. Yeah, I'll tell you what I was looking for. I was looking for first of all, I would hear people talk about things uh, appealing to the lowest common denominator, and they would often talk about that in terms of. Uh, not just something that was bad or base, but something that was just popular. Mm. And I was like, well, wait a minute, just because it's popular, it's bad. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Uh, but what I was looking for, I was thinking about, I forget what it's called and somebody will know and somebody will comment and tell us what it is. I've forgotten. But, um, you know, um, Einstein was looking for uh, math Mm-hmm. that would work with big objects like Newtonian physics. Was that right? the theory of everything? Thing? No. Uh, well, I don't know. I didn't see the oh, movie, yeah, The Theory yeah. of Everything, but um, uh, I don't know I don't know what if that's what... Um, but it connected the micro and the... Yeah, mat, because yeah. the two different maths, mm-hmm. right? You can't use... You can't, you know, so uh, quantum yep. people use a different... Yeah. Right? And, and Einstein was like, that can't be... Th- there has to be something that unifies these things. Yes. Right, they can't be different. It doesn't make any sense. Right, very dyslexic way to think about it. Right, right, right? and so, um, so he was looking for that. Like, there's got to be a, a way to explain both these things. Mm-hmm. And so, um, because he said that God doesn't play dice with the universe. He was like, it all makes sense. You just have to. We figure just don't know how to figure it out yeah. yet. Yeah. Um, and so that was his sort of holy rail. That's what he's looking for. And I, I thought. I had been studying stories for a very long time, and I was trying to figure out what stories have in common. Mm-hmm. What does every story have in common? There's got to be something that unifies all of them. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that's what I was, was looking that's for. That's what you were trying to find. Yeah. And so what I came up with um, was the golden theme, which we'll talk about. And 
um, the highest common denominator, taking that lowest common denominator thing and saying, wait a minute, just because it appeals to everybody doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm -hmm. So what if I flip that and make it the highest common denominator, the thing that um, elevates stories and makes them universal yeah. versus um, making things universal by going with the base stuff? Yeah. I, you know what's interesting? Like there's a, there's a bunch of stuff I've underlined in here, but one of the things you talk about um, at the very beginning of this book is truth, mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. Here's one of the quotes you said, um, and truth is all that any story worth telling is getting at, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I just love that quote. Truth is all that any story worth telling is getting at, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you were, tr before this idea for this book came up, it sounds like it kind of started with you trying to figure out, well, what's true? What am I, I'm trying to figure out what is this thing that unites people, mm -hmm. right? Um, but how'd you even come before this? Like you came up with this in a graveyard? Is that where kind of the idea started? The idea started in a graveyard in a cemetery. Yeah. So it kind of set up like what, what was happening in the graveyard? Was a friend of yours asked you a question or something? What happened was I was walking through a graveyard with a friend of mine. His name is also Brian. And and we were walking. We used to do this. The, it's the graveyard where Bruce Lee is, because yeah, yeah. near, right. And so uh, and where my friend Stuart is, and I have another friend there now too. But um, we used to walk through there when we were working on stories and stuff. And and we were walking through one day, and I was just looking at all the headstones, and I said, I bet you if these people could talk, they would all tell us one thing. There would be one thing that they would all tell us, um, and it would be the same thing. And he said, what's that? And I go, I have no idea what that is. I just think that that's probably true. And um, Real quick, what made, why was that appealing to you, that question appealing to you to, to begin with? That they would all say the same thing? Yeah. Um, was it the same thing Einstein was trying to do? Where it's like, In a way, I mean, it, yes. There has to be a math that connects. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, that certainly was true of stories. I was thinking of what connected them. I think that it was probably related, but related at, on a subconscious level at that moment. Like, I just thought there's something that connects all these people. Yeah. Um, I just don't know what it is. They could say it, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. And so that started me contemplating that for, I don't know, a few years, just contemplating it. What is that inner, what is that connective tissue that will unite all these people? Yeah. And here's what's interesting about it. I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And I will say that there was almost never any silence in my head for all those years. It almost sounded like, um, and maybe this, maybe I'm uh, synesthetic somehow and I don't know it. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, um, is that what the word, the word I'm, yeah, synesthete. Um, synesthete uh, is the person who has, um, um, Synesthesia is when you your brain crosses your senses. Oh, so somebody who's a synesthete might taste colors. Got it. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of right? that. Oh, I didn't know that. that yeah. Was. So, um, and some people don't know they're synesthetic. Huh. Um, and uh, the way they found it, like they thought it was just people, like, eh, something's going on in your head. The way they found it was, uh, like, some for certain certain people, certain numbers will be a certain color or something, and so. Um, what they did is they hit a bunch of numbers in a, on paper, and if somebody said, all threes are always red to me, those people could spot threes really quickly. Wow, crazy. Because they were just all red to them or whatever. So, oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, or some numbers are bumpy or huh. um, 
you know, they hear something and they smell bacon or whatever. It's like, yeah, but the senses are crossed. Um, and so uh, maybe there's a little bit, a lot of artists are synesthetic and don't know it. Interesting. Yeah. Like Wednesday's not blue to you. They're like, what? You know, uh-huh. whatever. But it's, so I don't know if that's what it was, but I would always hear chalk on a chalkboard when I was working this out, like a, an equation. And I heard it all the time. And then when I hit on the golden theme, it stopped. Really? Mm-hmm. The sound? Yeah. Stopped. That's crazy. It is crazy. I mean, it's cool. Yeah. But it meant that much to you that, like, in your downtime, you were working this out? Yeah, it's like my subconscious. When you're not writing or working or whatever, you're, like, just sitting there staring out the window going, I got to figure this thing out? Yeah. It was like my brain was 24-7 trying to figure out. What is the thing that unites all these people? Yeah. And that's how I knew it was right. Because the sound stopped. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you know you'd hit the right answer? I didn't. How'd I know I would find it? Yeah. I didn't. But how'd you, or well, how'd you know? I mean, you knew the sound stopped, but how'd you know? Because when you read it, you go, this makes a, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But it's so simple. How'd you know that you had it? Uh, I think you know when you have something. It's different than thinking hmm. you have something. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that's it. I, I think that's the answer. And you're like, that's it. Yeah. You know it. Everybody's had that experience where they know it. I told you about, uh, I, I think I mentioned Glenn Keane before on the show. Uh-huh. Um, but he told me when he was doing, um, he was trying to design Pocahontas for the, you know, because he animated Pocahontas in the in the movie, in Disney's movie. So he was, um, he said he was working on Aladdin. Pocahontas was the next assignment. And he couldn't figure out how to design Pocahontas. He didn't know how to do it. He's like, I don't know what she looks like. He didn't know how to do it. And he was animating Aladdin. And uh, he said, for some reason, the Superman shield appeared in his head. And so he goes, okay. What's what's great about Glenn is he trusted that feeling. And he didn't just keep drawing. Well, I'm animating Aladdin right now. He just went and he drew in the corner of the paper. He drew the Superman shield because that's what was in his head. And then he put eyes on it put mouth on it nose and gave it hair and he goes oh there's pocahontas right wow that's amazing yeah but he knew there's something about it's a really hard thing to explain and i've heard composers say it i think henry i think i heard henry mancini say it who wrote the pink panther theme yeah it's like the stuff is out there already and you discover it. Like, it's not like, it's a different feeling than inventing something. Like the Socratic method type of thing. Like, it was there. You just had to remember it again. Yeah. It feels fam- like, oh, that's right. Like, but yeah. like, it doesn't come from you. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it comes from you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, there's the answer. Yeah. I found it. And you, mm-hmm. you get to take credit for it, but you didn't do anything. Yeah. It feels like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before this... You said that you would talk. You would talk about how you didn't really believe in genre before you even figured this out, right? Right. I don't. Yeah. So you kind of had a feeling. Can you talk about? Is there any way before we talk about the golden theme that you can kind of set up why that didn't feel right when people talk about genre? Yeah. I think part. Well, it's dyslexic, right? I think dyslexics. What I've noticed is people can't help but categorize things, and they think that that's helpful. 
So they have to put everything in a little box. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a science fiction, and that's a this, and that's a Western. And, and that they, they find that helpful. It's very difficult for dyslexics to do that because they are very good at seeing the links between things, right? And so somebody asked me what my favorite horror movie was the other day, and I'm like, I can't think of stories that way. Like, I'm not trying not to. I don't think of them that way. Dyslexics are um, notorious, like on tests, let's say, on a test, a dyslexic might, uh, you might say, okay, here's a, here's a, a monkey and uh, a bat and an elephant and a cow. And um, the question might be, what do these things have in common, right? Now, the answer they're looking for is mammal, right? Uh. They're all mammals. But, the, but a dyslexic will come up with, can come up with a hundred ways yeah. that these uh-huh. things are the same well, yeah. they, all well they all have yeah. on planet earth they all have they, feet right like, whatever it is yeah. whatever it is they would and so they're not wrong answers uh-huh right they just have a hard time putting everything into that little box yeah which is helpful in some ways and and because the world doesn't work that way though it can also be harmful it's like i don't yeah. know what you're putting this in a box it doesn't fit in that box yeah um so it can be difficult to be dyslexic for that reason but one thing it does is it allows you to make connections other people don't make because you're not putting a firm barrier between things right so often when i'm teaching story structure people will say to me oh that's all fine and good for that kind of story but my thing is a documentary and you're like a story's a story i don't know what you're saying to me Mm -hmm. like what you're really saying to me is i don't understand story structure right now because I think it'll be different in documentary than it right. would be something like that's what you're really saying. I don't yeah. quite understand this. Yeah, I know you use math for architecture, but I don't know why it would have anything to do with rockets. Right. And you go, well, <laughs> yeah, it actually has a lot to do with rockets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's a that's always interesting to me that people have to like, can you apply it exactly to my problem? It's like I was I had to write somebody to, to today and I was like, well, I go, all I'm doing is saying. This is a ha- when I teach. This is a hammer. This mm-hmm. is how you use a hammer. Yeah. Right. What you build with that is your business. Yeah. Go nuts. Right. But I'm just telling you how hammers work. Right. right? And they're like, but I'm building a house. Can I use it for that? Yeah. You can build it. It's like, but I'm building a bridge. You can use it for that. What about my doghouse? Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm. It's a hammer. Use it how you want to. Uh-huh. But understand how hammers work. Right. And they're just like, but can I use it for this? Can I use it for you that? You didn't cover and, birdhouses. Right. Like, yeah. Well. Yeah, it's yeah. a really interesting thing because my brain doesn't work like that. It yeah. does. It's like it would just go. Certainly, that doesn't apply to an outhouse. <laughs> and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I'm like, oh, you're not understanding. You're not understanding what's underneath this principle. You're not understanding mm-hmm. really what a hammer is for. Yeah. You know, um, and it's because of that categorization it makes it hard for people to see things, the connection between things. Mm-hmm. I, I think that. A dyslexic is the kind of person, doesn't have to be me, who comes up with the golden theme. I think it is a dyslexic that does that. I don't think other people would do it as easily. The funny thing is, once we get into what it is, it's the most obvious. I mean, I, I looked at it, I was like, well, that makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. I just had never read it before. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it wasn't like, it wasn't, the problem was, it's like, it's so simple. How could that not be? Right. Right? Right. There's not a bunch of fen- fancy language. It's like I, we talk about with story structure and stuff. It's like one of the things that confused me the most at the beginning is like I went through all of like Joseph Campbell's like Skywalker Ranch stuff and all that. And I was like, jeez, this is com- crossing the threshold, return with the elixir and all this. It's like, and then you're like, then you read something like Golden Theme and you're like, well, that just makes 
mm-hmm. way more sense because it's so simple. Yeah. Here, I, I just want to say something about Joseph Campbell real quick without – I'm not dissing on Joseph Campbell. Yeah. Well, oh, I was. Uh, I wasn't saying you were. N- no, I know. But I'm going to say something oh. about Joseph Campbell that I don't think people consider, which is Joseph Campbell did not write stories. And that matters because people are using his stuff to write stories. Mm-hmm. He only – looked at stories and said, hey, a lot of stories seem to do these things. Stories seem to have these things in common, right? And that's great, these elements. There is there is the crossing of the threshold. There is this, the, uh-huh. there is that, right? But that is just in us. We would do that without knowing that. Yeah. People were doing that before Joseph Campbell. Uh-huh. So, so that was just in us. And that's kind of what he's saying. Like, this is the hero with a thousand faces. We all do this. This is something about being human. We all tell the story right. this way. Um, but when people... up. He might have taught differently had he been teaching storytellers. Yeah. If he was himself a storyteller. My problem was when somebody said, by page 83, your character has to return with the elixir. I'll be like, what is the return? Right. It was so complicated mm-hmm. that it, it, wasn't, it wasn't helpful for me. Right. Right? And I know it's been helpful for a lot of people. It was just, it was so... Um, it was insert baseball language, yeah. stuff like that. That's what yeah. made it hard. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just more complicated yeah. uh, than it needs to be because it primarily wasn't supposed to be used the way it's being used. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and that's great and it works for some people, but it it, it, it confuses, I think, more people than it helps. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just because he wasn't a practitioner of the craft of right. storytelling. And I don't like the intimidation factor around stories because I feel like it's it can keep people out. I think that's true. And... I mean, the armature of our entire show is you're a storyteller. Right. <laughs> because we want people to know, like, you, not only can you do this, you do this all the time. Right. Right? That's the whole point is try to empower people to go, like, wait a second. These things bother me in the world. Or right. I want to learn how to write. It's like, you can, you can absolutely do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because if you just listen to how people talk, you'll understand how stories work. Yeah. I like that it's accessible, and I think that's really important. Otherwise, you get this elitist thing. Mm-hmm. I um, think so, too. Which I don't, I've never been into. Uh, you're right. Yeah, I don't and like so that. So that, that's why it's not that there's not wisdom in there. It's no, just there it is, can confuse you. Yeah. And so it's it's can we get it down to something that's so human mm-hmm. um, and is just an observation. And I think that's always big, too. Like, no gurus, I think, is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I like that all the stuff you're talking about is like, well, these are just observations. Right. And if you go look around, you'll notice the same, yeah, same thing. Yeah, it's important to me that that people ultimately teach themselves Sometimes I don't answer people's questions because I know they'll see it if they look. Uh-huh. And if they keep asking me, hey, how do I, can I use a hammer to build a doghouse? Sometimes I'm like, why don't you just go out and test the hammer and see what you can do with it? And I won't have to answer that question. And because what happens is they don't keep looking. So if you go, oh, you want, you want to know how to build a doghouse with a hammer? Let me show you. Yeah. And now they only think they can build a doghouse. Yeah. Right. And then they come back when they like, I'm building a birdhouse now. Can you help me with that? Mm -hmm. And it's like, so sometimes I'm like, you figure it out. Yeah. Because I want them to own their knowledge. Yeah. You know, if it's just coming from me, it's, it's, it's worthless. Yeah. Right. Um, You're actually equipping people to, I'm hoping to to teach them to fish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's big, man, because that's so empowering. You don't, you're not always, you don't, you don't need anybody's permission. Right. Which is huge, right? You didn't yeah. have to get a piece of paper that said anything, you know, and gave you permission to be a filmmaker, a writer, or whatever. <laughs> right. Like, you can just be the best version of yourself, yeah. right? And it's a craft, and it's going to take your entire life, and you'll never 
Yeah, you'll never right? get to the end of it. But the cool thing is, right now, wherever you're at, you can start mm-hmm. just by observing how people communicate. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Nobody owns it. Right. Like, yeah. we live in a world where everything is trademarked and patented, mm-hmm. whatever. Isn't it great to know that no one owns stories? It's amazing. Yeah. It's good. It's really good. They belong to all of us. And so, with the genre conversation, that bothered you before you'd even done this work. Yes. Why did genre... What What is about genre that was hard for you? Well, because... Or not hard, what, that you didn't agree with. Well, E.T., people would consider E.T. a science fiction film, right? Yeah, probably, yeah. But also 2001, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Do those movies have anything in common? Uh-uh. N- nothing. Um, Star Trek and Star Wars have nothing in common. Mm-hmm. But they would both be categorized as science fiction. Why? Because of the vehicles people get around in, and because like, but th- those are superficial things. Yeah, they're just there's surface, no surface there's no world. there's no science in Star Wars, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. There's no science. Uh, there's no science in ET. You know, it's not about science, but it's a science fiction because of the what I call the clothing that the story wears. Mm-hmm. But you can you can I always tell people like, look. Yeah, E.T. is about a, a boy learning how to empathize. But it doesn't have to be about an alien. It could be about a dog or a dolphin right. or a pony, yeah. right? You could tell the same story. Yeah. So then what does genre mean, right? If I can take two things that have nothing to do with each other and put them in the same category, then what does genre mean? Genre disappears very quickly. It, 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 it dissolves very quickly when you examine it closely. Yeah. You know? I have a, a poster you gave me in my office, which is... Star Wars redesigned like it was a Kurosawa film. Oh, right, yeah. And you got it from me, you're like, that's why genre doesn't work. Right. Because when I'm looking at the posters, like, actually, it might have been cooler if... Well, it was, right? That, you know what I'm saying? Well, he was influenced by... Uh, sure, yeah, right? yeah. Uh-huh. So, so, that's what's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, Star Wars is... I'm just imp- saying the artwork on it, and we can no. link to it. But when you see the artwork, you go, oh, yeah. Right. This looks awesome. Yeah, it looked really, it looks yeah. really cool. Uh-huh. But the um, Kurosawa was influenced by American Westerns, influenced by John Ford, mm-hmm. right? So when he was making samurai movies, he was just making cowboy movies with samurais in them. Yeah. Right? Then, then George Lucas comes along and sees Hidden Fortress. Yeah, right? that's right. And makes yeah. Star Wars uh-huh. based on a samurai movie. Yeah. Right. So it's like this genre. And at the time when Star Wars came out, people said, oh, it's like a Western in space. Right. So, huh. right. They were like, oh, yeah, you got your gunslinger and you got your right. So people said it was like a Western. So it's like, yeah, it doesn't. It, the genre is nothing. And let's go back to Kurosawa. Kurosawa was influenced by Westerns. Right. Uh-huh. He makes Seven Samurai. Yep. And then Seven Samurai turns se- into, yeah, Magnificent uh-huh. comes in, yeah, becomes uh-huh. a Western. Yep. Right. Sure. Right? Uh, the Magnificent Seven. So it's interesting. Like, it doesn't make any difference. It's just the clothing that the story wears. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's superficial. And categorizing things by what's superficial about them seems ridiculous to me. Um, and so I can't categorize that. I just can't. I, my brain won't do it. I know what people mean, but I don't think it matters. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Is it because it's like a... Like an oversimplification or something? Like, are you just like, well, this is just silly? It'd be like, it's it's, you know what? It's it's as if I, I took a picture, 
And not only did somebody say, what kind of camera did you use? That's okay, fine. But if somebody said, what color was that camera? <laughs> and you're like, I don't It was blue, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't understand how that makes any difference uh-huh. about the picture I took. Yeah. Right? That's what it feels that's like. That's funny. That's a good way to say that. Yeah. yeah. Like, what? It's like, yeah. well, that's a science fiction. Like, uh-huh. And nobody will agree on what makes those things. So some people will say, well, E.T. is not really science fiction. And other people will say, oh, science fiction. Right? It doesn't. It, there's, it's not a real thing. Yeah. Right? People won't even agree on what a science fiction is or whatever. Yeah. It's a fantasy. Like, Star Wars is fantasy, not science fiction. But then there are people like, no, because it doesn't have swords. It's like it that totally has swords. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? You know? Star, you could take Star Wars, I, and even as a kid, I knew this when when it came out. A New Hope, what I call Star Wars, because I'm an old man. But when um, when that came out, when A New Hope came out, I was like, oh, you could do this with the the knight, the black knight, right, uh-huh. and the kid and the wizard and yeah, right and uh-huh. a magic sword. Yeah. Like it's all it's the same thing. Yeah, uh-huh. we have to storm the castle. Yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> you sure. know and rescue the princes from the black light. Like uh-huh. you don't need. It's like. Yeah, you could tell that story. Sure. You could do that just that way. Yep. And it would work. It would totally work. So to put the extra box around it does it's just a waste of it's a waste of time. It it, mm. it stops you from seeing what's underneath, what's making the story really work. What's weird about that too is when you talk about financing, people would be like, Oh, you can get financed for a horror film, but you can't get financed for a drama or whatever. Like, <laughs> right. But why? Right. So so the genre thing is also not only is it that extra layer, but also it becomes even from at least from what I, the conversations I've heard, right? Is it's also easier to get certain genre. So if genre doesn't matter, right? But then at the same time, it's easier to get certain genres funded. That seems even it's easier to sell the candy coating of certain genres, hmm. right? Look, you're going to see lots of explosions. Uh-huh. Okay, I'll go. Right? It's easy to sell. It's easy to sell. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I think genres are really about. Yeah, just selling. They're marketing. Yeah, shit. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's not real. Uh-huh. It's marketing. Somebody's yeah. trying to sell you something. Uh-huh. I like it when I see spaceships. This one's got spaceships. Yeah, you know, and then you go, you pay your money, and you go. But that doesn't. That's not what makes it work. It's so funny because there's so many marketing terms that are like that too, where people have all these fancy terms, and it's like all it really means is who's listening to your conversation, or all it really <laughs> means is who are you trying to talk to, and they're like, oh, well, why did they just say that? It's like. <laughs> They use the term demographics or geographics or psychographics because they're trying to sound fancy, but all it really means is who are you talking to? Yeah. And they're like, oh, cool. Well, why? It's the same bullshit. Yeah. Even marketing has marketing, which is right. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after this journey, you kind of been, it had been, it's funny because you had the, the, the genre thing. Then the thing happened. You're walking through a lot of your breakthroughs happen in graveyards, which is also kind of funny. That's Yeah. Yeah. Because the true. book that you just no, two books ago, two books ago, that's not was out also yet. in a graveyard, right? Yeah, that's not out yet. Well, th- but th- but that's y- yes, it does. It, yeah, I'm anyway. just saying there's yeah. a theme no, in there. No, for there you is, to consider. No, no, I, th- no, I thought about <laughs> you spent it a lot of time. In I, I, I thought about it before. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I know a lot of dead people. Too. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. And uh, and then you, you're you're thinking about this for a couple of years, um, and it crystallized. What did it crystallize as? What is the golden theme? Well, the thing, I've, and I've gotten some pushback on this, so I have to, um, um, the thing that I found that all stories have in common that they're saying, because every story has a, a theme, mm-hmm. right? Every story has a, an armature, what we call armature, um, a, a reason to be told, yeah. right? Um, and so every story has that, especially one that's retold and retold and retold. 
it's because it has information in it that people can use, right? Um, but I thought, well, there's something underneath that. There's something below that. There's mm-hmm. something that all stories have in common. It's the thing behind the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the thing I found was that we are all the same. And at first I thought about calling it, um, what did I call it first? Like a super theme. or I, I had all these words for it. But, I, but basically I ended up with a golden theme. As the, so the golden theme, like, so you could have a theme that's, you know, um, you know, uh, friendships are difficult or friendships are necessary. That could be your theme. Mm-hmm. But underneath it, the only reason that would work that, oh, friendships are difficult but necessary is that if everybody had that experience. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Right? And so, so some things are more important than money. Right. Yeah, right. Well, only works because underneath it underneath it yeah we're all the same we're all the same and people take that people who categorize yeah take that to mean but i'm different because i'm unique and i'm special and i have my own thing it's like well if that were true stories would work for you and you alone yeah right there'd be stories just for jesse yeah right and there'd be stories just for me Uh right but we can both watch et yeah right Uh so there's something in ET that speaks to both of us. Right. And that at that that's the place where we're the same. Yeah, we can both watch Sea Biscuit. It's like I don't know shit about horse racing right. or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, you gotta watch this. I watch this like, oh man, that movie is just insane. Yeah. I don't know anything about horses. Right. And I don't right? Yeah. Right. Because at, at its core, yeah. Right, there's something that is universal and that's the thing that's the same about us. And if you look at history, um the people who have tried to divide us and say we're all different. Yeah. History never treats those people well. There are people doing it right now, uh-huh. right? But history never treats those people well. Yep. Who does it treat well? Always the people that unify us by saying we're the same. Yeah. Always. Yep. I think that that's that's the that's a common is once we recognize another person's humanity. Yeah. We're better than yeah. we were. And it doesn't matter who that. So like when you know, um I just finished the 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 memoir which i don't know why hasn't been announced yet so but the the memoir about forgiving the guy who shot my brother who Mm -hmm. killed my brother and recognizing that person's humanity is what the whole thing is about Mm -hmm. the whole piece is about and how i was able to do that is what the piece is about right um but what's funny is the ball that got rolling on that was somebody picked up the story about the letter you wrote. Right. So it wasn't even like, you just wrote the letter right. that was read in court, correct? Right, yeah. And it blew people's minds, and then it got picked up. And that's what led to even the book, the new book you wrote. But what I, I think is interesting is that for you, you weren't even thinking about it. You were like, well, I right. mean, I, I know it cost you something, but what right. I'm saying is like, it stood out in our culture, Yeah. right, as such an extraordinary thing for you to even write that letter. Mm-hmm. That it became like a pressworthy thing, right? Yeah, it, it wasn't, but it, but I had a certain set of experiences that allowed me to see that person's humanity, right? Um, and so my book is really about those experiences and how they led me to that, be able to do that. It wasn't anything I had; to, it wasn't an effort to do it. So, right? It was a, but the, the certain circumstances in my life allowed me to see hu- the humanity in that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think things start to break down when we don't see the humanity in other people, right? So the first thing, the first thing that happens when people go to war, 
is that other side gets dehumanized. Yeah, you have to. You have to demonize the other side. Right? So yeah. you find superficial things to not like. You know, they, they're... You know, their hair is the wrong texture, their eyes are the wrong shape, yep, that kind of uh-huh. thing, right? Whatever. They eat crazy food. Yeah. Whatever it is you need to do. You need something. You need something that says they're different. They don't worship yep. the right God or they yep. don't call God by the uh-huh. right name or whatever it is you need Yeah. to say that they are not worthy, right? That's the first thing mm. that you do. Um, it's the same thing we, we did with slavery in the United States, yeah. right? Was dehumanize that group. Yep. Uh, I mean, people don't even know that. You know, there was a, a dude out of Binga, uh, an African who was put in a zoo in New York uh, on display with monkeys, right? Because yeah. that was all about dehumanizing. And there's pictures of him. There's pictures. Of, yeah. This was not long ago. No, that was in the 20th century, beginning of the 20th century. So, right. So not a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Out of Binga was, you know, in the zoo. Um, did you say he killed himself? He did end up killing himself. Yeah. He got out. He was able to get out of that situation, but did end up killing himself. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of um, uh, black clergy and people like that who tried to get him out of Like, you can't display a guy in the zoo. But anyway, we'll always dehumanize. It happened with the Japanese mm-hmm. here yeah. during World War II. Like, there's always a... And it happened during the war. If you look, it's really interesting. If you look at the propaganda from World War II, yeah. the the way the Germans were treated and the way the Japanese were treated is completely different. Hmm. If you look at the caricatures of, uh, of German, the Germans were treated because we essentially we had people who had, was, were, had been German a generation ago, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and because of the way this country set up, those people were ultimately white so yeah right so right. it's like well they're okay but the the japanese it's like they're animalistic like just if you just look it's crazy um and then there's a famous picture of um a woman holding the skull of a japanese yeah. soldier mm-hmm. uh because her husband sent it home like look i killed it you know yeah so um yeah that picture's insane it's an insane picture it's insane yeah um to hold a human skull like that you have to be dehumanizing yeah. that those people, right? So, so um, that's always a problem when we dehumanize. So, yeah. um, see, but you know, it's um, it's the only way you can get people to do brutal things yep. to each other is to because mm-hmm. I, I actually think ultimately it comes from a, a strangely it comes from a good place, which is I can't do this to another human being, right? But where it gets twisted is I have to then turn you into something that's less than human so I can do this. Mm-hmm. Right? I have to say you're not as smart. I have to say you're not as worthy in yep. some way. I have to find a way to dehumanize you. So the opposite that's the opposite of golden theme, right? So th- that we do but what is true is that we will do that, right? Yeah. Right? So you can tell a story about how we do that. Yeah. How but but um, because that's universal. Yep. Right? It happened in Rwanda. Mm-hmm. People who essentially look the same, except one group's taller than the other. Yeah. Right? Uh, but what the, the one group was called cockroaches, mm-hmm. and that allowed their neighbors to go after them with machetes. Yeah. Right? So, um, so it is a human thing. It isn't, you know, it isn't one group over another group. The truth is that we will do that to each other. Yeah. But it never leads to anything good. It never has. But when people have the opposite message, we're all the same. Yeah. Yeah. It, that leads to something. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's true. Right. Yeah. 
Um, one of my, my favorite, um, this is how powerful it is, um, even across species. So, in fact, it's funny when uh, you see a cat or a dog do something that we think is human, we find it very appealing. Like, oh, it's like, mm -hmm. they, right? But the other thing is, uh, my friend Stuart Stern told me this story. So, Stuart was, um, he, he volunteered at the zoo. I tell you the story? Mm -hmm. The elephant? Uh, Maybe, I, I don't know if I did or if he, I did. I thought he, he, he fed somebody. It was like he fed the gorillas. Gorilla, that's he, was, he told me that. He was way into gorillas. Uh, he loved gorillas. Stuart loved gorillas. And you would ask him to do something. Hey, Stuart, you want to do something on Sunday? He goes, I can't. My gorilla day. So he'd worked for enough, uh, he'd done enough hours, put in enough hours that he got that Sunday was his day to feed the gorillas and he wouldn't pass it up for anything. Like you couldn't get him to do anything else. And he loved gorillas. It's funny because uh, I brought up chimps one day and he got mad at me um, because he doesn't like chimps. He said, I, didn't like, I don't like chimps. I go, why? And he goes, well, they're too much like people. Chimps can be brutal, so he was just like wow. he didn't like he didn't like chimps. But he liked apes. But he but he did yeah he liked he liked uh, gorillas. Gorillas. So anyway, so he was at the zoo and it was like a um, uh, like a tour behind the scenes. Like the zoo was closed and only like uh, people who worked at the zoo and their families or guests could go. So it was like a private thing. And they were going through the zoo, and um, he Stewart said there was a pregnant woman in our group, and we went by the the elephants. Uh, and we were looking at the elephants and there was an elephant who was also pregnant. And he said, this elephant took out her trunk gently and touched the pregnant woman's belly and then sort of traced what was kind of the shape of a, of a baby, he said, and then stepped back, put her trunk down and put her head down. I mean, when you hear that... That's amazing. Yeah. And that's a golden theme story. You're a mother, I'm a mother. Uh-huh. Right? Across species. Yeah, it's amazing. Isn't it? I was talking to... Um, a, a leader uh, yesterday. We were having a, a, a meeting, and she talked a lot about uh, empathy. And I was mm -hmm. like, when do you first become kind of aware of empathy? And she grew up in... New Mexico out in the middle of nowhere and like on a ranch. And she said, she was like six or seven. Mm -hmm. She was like, I was riding a horse early in the morning and I saw this coyote family and they were walking along. And she's like, and I just had the thought, I bet they're cold like I am. Mm. And she's like, and that's when I first started going in her own words, pretty much like, well, we're all this, we're all right. this together. <laughs> right. Right. You know what I mean? Um, Cause she's big into environmental mm -hmm. uh, work. Mm -hmm. Right. And I thought that was interesting, too, right? It's well, there's a thing that happens with astronauts. I think it's called the overview effect. Huh. It has a, but it happens with astronauts. Um, and it happened with the first astronauts. What happens is they go into space, and they are, are overcome with this idea. Because they go, you go into space, and you look at the Earth, and there aren't any borders. There's no lines, like on a map. There's no, it's all one Earth, Yeah. right? They also realize that it's like, that means we only have this place that means we only have so many resources that means we're all the same we're all sharing this thing wow. and they often come back and they are environmentalists or they are they come back and they are changed from having seen it from seeing the earth all at once kind of as it is yeah yeah um uh, yeah that makes sense though doesn't it 
But they're like, oh, wait a minute. We're all, okay, we're all in this together. We're all one. We're all from this place. But the funny thing is, the reason why stories work is because of mirror neurons. And we, even, having, even having mirror neurons, right. that's the point. Right. So mirror neurons, for people who don't know, I, I, we may have talked about it on the show before. But the funny thing is, I was teaching mirror neuron stuff before they discovered mirror neurons. Really? Because I had seen something... Uh, I had seen something uh, years ago about um, they had tested some basketball teams, like high school basketball teams, and they were there were some that practiced and they 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 tested their progress, like are they better at you know free throws or something, and they had some they had some people practice like you know for half an hour or whatever every day or whatever. They had another team that thought about it and didn't practice. They just thought about free throws. And the people who, of course, practiced improved, but the people who thought about it also improved. Wow. Because their brain didn't know the difference between actually doing it and thinking about it. And I related that to stories, and I went, well, that means that if you're, if you're looking at a situation, you are going through that situation. Stories are simulators. Yep. Right? And so then mirror neurons were discovered, mm. and I started teaching it in class because there was science behind what, right. what I'd already An observation seen. that people... Already knew in one way or another. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, mirror neurons are the neurons in your brain that fire when you watch somebody doing something. The mirror neurons are the brain, are they like um, the way they discovered it was uh, with a monkey, they were doing some tests on motor neurons, right? So uh, a motor neuron is the neuron that fires in your brain when you move. So they were testing that and they had like, they had monkeys hook up to a, hooked up to electrodes and you know, the monkey would grab a peanut and the electrode would fire. Excuse me. So, um, and the electrode would fire. Then uh, what happened was, they, it was an accident. What happened was the scientist walked in the room and the monkey was just sitting with the electrodes to their head or whatever. And, uh, and uh, this, this scientist picked up a peanut and the monkey's brain fired as if it had picked up the peanut. And they went, oh, wait a second, this is a thing. So... The same neuron fires when I pick it up as yep. if that monkey had picked it up. Yep. And so what they're like, oh, so your brain doesn't know the difference between watching something and doing something, right? Well, that thing is what makes stories work, right? While you can cry if it's not happening to yep. you. and But it's the same thing that gives you empathy. It's the same thing that was happening with that elephant. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing that was happening with the seeing the family of coyotes, yep. Yep. right? Oh, I bet they're cold like me. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the mirror neurons going, oh, I see. They're like me. Yeah. Um, and I'm just saying the fact we have mirror neurons. Oh, I know what you're saying. But I was just explaining it for people. No, no, that's great. Yeah. But isn't that how can we have mirror neurons and have that not point to something? Right. Right. It's like, hey, what are we arguing about? Like, right. Yeah. How, how can we not see ourselves in each other? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Mm -mm. It doesn't make any sense. So as a storyteller, understanding that. I would think, you know, the golden theme would help influence the kind of your not only your understanding of stories, mm -hmm. but possibly even the kind of stories you tell. I think so. Um, it has me, you know. It, it. I think it deepens the stories I tell mm -hmm. um, because I'm always looking at at that. Like, we're, we're we the same here. What's, yep. What's interesting is even within in Freeman, which is another a script in a book that you wrote, mm -hmm. right, about a slave uh, catcher 
Mm-hmm. So it, the, the amount of empathy that you had for him. Yeah. Cage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I. Is that is that for you? Was that golden theme stuff? Yeah. Here's 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 my thinking. Um, and I had written like in the old souls in the graphic novel, right? I have the slaveholder, and and um, I didn't judge that person. Now people think, well, wait a minute, how can you not? But but I was as I wrote that character, I was trying to be that character, mm. right? Um, and so um, I knew the audience would judge him, right? They wouldn't go, hey, it's cool that he's... I knew that would happen. So I didn't have to do that work. The mm. work I had to do was say, look, it's, it's, um, it's a lie to yourself to pretend that you, if you were born into a system, you would somehow rise above the system, right? That I had to go, well, you know... Um, uh, people talk about Thomas Jefferson and George Washington having slaves, and that was uncool. But they were both born on plantations. They were both born on slave plantations. That's how they grew up. Hmm. So I have to go, well, I'm human, and they're human. Had I been born in their situation, I would respond the way they responded. That's just the truth. Um, now, in the case of Thomas Jefferson... He was a complicated guy because he knew what he was doing was wrong. Yeah, um, and and said so mm-hmm. essentially, and so um, that's his big problem. But yeah, but, uh-huh. but but um, but really, um, I have to go. Well, if I was born into that system, I would have the same responses. It's the same thing that when you look at um, Germans during World War II and think, how could they listen to Hitler? I I somehow would be immune. Right. Those people are somehow not as smart as me or not as savvy or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You know, it's not you're not you're not helping yourself understand the situation. If you if you think that if you think that you couldn't if you're not we're not susceptible to that. You know, it's like you're totally susceptible to it, especially especially the people who think they're not. Why do you say you're not helping yourself if you don't think you're because it leaves you you're off guard. Hmm. Right. If you think, yes, it's them, but that's not me, well, then you're off guard. If you don't think you can be fooled that way, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you're not looking at the, you're not looking at the whole situation. Uh, people in Germany were hungry. They were starving, right? They weren't uh, happy with what happened to them after World War One. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is why after World War Two, we started taking care of the people we defeated, right? That was the reason. Like, we have to, now that we've bombed Germany into the Stone Age, we have to rebuild them. We have to help Japan, Hmm. right? Because we knew what happened when you didn't do that. They used to say, we won the war, now we have to win the peace. Hmm. Right? Wow, that's an interesting way of saying it. Yeah. And that was a real thing. Like, how do we win the peace? How do we make sure that this doesn't happen again? Um so then it became about treating these people, defeated people, as human beings. Right? I mean, yeah. The stuff that happened in Europe right after the war was crazy. Um, um, a lot of people took out a lot of their anger on people. It was bad. But uh, ultimately, what it, what it became was um, us trying to help. Um, even if it was from a selfish place, we mm-hmm. still were trying to help and try to see the humanity in those, in those people. Yeah. Um, so, where did the title come from? The golden theme. Yeah. 
I had been obsessed. I, I heard in the early 80s about the golden mean, the golden section, um, as a means of you know visual composition and how well it worked when you composed a picture. A friend of mine was in art school and told me about it, and then I kind of got obsessed with it. Why does it work? You know, all this stuff. And I read about it, and I tried to make it make sense and, you know, and, and thought about it a lot. And so when I... When I was, um, when I came up with the golden theme or when I found this, we're all the same. I go, what, what should I call it? And I thought, well, it's a little like the golden section. It's a little like the golden mean. Uh, and so that's where it came from. Like, if you know this and you express this in your stories, it will, it will work. Mm. Your story will work in the yeah. same way that that works for composition. This will work for your story composition. Hmm. Um, but I, I want to say something about uh, Cage, the sl slave catcher in, in Freeman. Um, one of the things I thought about is how would, again, who would I be, right? And, uh, and there's something I did with him that I don't know if a lot of people would do. So one of the things I did is I, I thought about those times. And the, the thing about those times is if you were... Uh, those times, and, as in where Cage would have, yeah, in the, grown in, during slavery, yeah, poor whites had a hard time finding work because there was free labor everywhere, right? So poor whites um, ended up doing a lot of support stuff, so they maybe could get jobs as um, essentially supervisors, overseers um, over plantations. Right, but they weren't really treated well, and they were kind of thought of as lower class. But at least they were white, so they could do that job, right? Yeah. So that's the job they did, um, or they would um, they would become uh, breeders of dogs. They had certain dogs that were bred for runaway slaves to catch runaway slaves, called Negro dogs, um, and, or you could be a slave catcher. Is one of the things you could do. And I thought, okay, so if a slave catcher is a, a poor white person who is dismissed by the people who have more money and more status, I thought, okay, here's something interesting about that to me. First of all, I have to understand this is a guy trying to make a living in a world that it was hard to make a living in for him, right? And so I go, okay, so this is a job he can get. Then I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if the reason he was a good, because this character was supposed to be a really good slave catcher, right? He's like the Sherlock Holmes of catching slaves, right? He's mm -hmm. supposed to be really good at it. And I thought, Oh, he's good at it because he has been dismissed as subhuman because he's a poor white person in this society. And so he understands that's exactly what's happening to black people. Like, oh, and they're, they're just as human as I am, but they are being dehumanized. He understands that. And he so actually understands he that. He understands that. So because he mm -hmm. understands that, like, oh, that's a thinking human being just like me. So he doesn't underestimate the intelligence of his prey. Yeah. And that's what makes him good at what he does. Hmm. He goes, okay, if this person is smart like me, what would they do? Yeah. If this person is smart like me, what th would they do? Um, I, I found that that made a complicated character. Mm -hmm. it, it made him, I, I can't say anybody who's read the script has liked him, but he is a character people love to hate. Oh, yeah. He's, he's one super of those. well written, Brett. Like, I loved it, the character. I, hey, he's an awful guy, but I'm saying no, you but, kept you on your toes. Yeah, he, you know? yeah I, I was, uh, I'm really proud of that character. Yeah. Um, because I, I could, um, I, I felt like I could get inside his head in a way that, like, oh, well, he's, this is just a job he can get, and he's good at it because, mm -hmm. not because he dehumanizes, but because 
he humanizes. That's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, but he understands the power of dehumanization, and he uses that too in the story. Yes. Yeah. But I'm, but it's awesome because it, like, even just straight up outside of hopefully, the connections you might make outside of your work. Yeah. Ab- about how we're all the same. Yeah. But even just from a writing perspective, it makes your writing better. Having that, that's what it. That's yeah. How do I apply this to what I'm doing? Right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, it 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 stops you from writing cartoons. Oh, interesting. Right? If I... You what know, do you mean by cartoons? Because there's a lot of, you know... Right. There's yes. Chuck Jones. Yeah, yeah. So... I, I yeah. mean caricatures instead of characters. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you could say, oh, that guy's a slave catcher, so he's obviously a bad guy, and you could just write him from that perspective, but he, he would be on the surface a bad yeah. guy, kind of a mustache-twirling villain, yeah. right? Instead of a complicated human being mm-hmm. who you, you had to consider... Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, oh, well, that does kind of make sense. He is twisting it, you know, makes it more complicated and stops him from being a a, a, a cartoonish villain um, because he has depth, right? A lot of the Bond villains are cartoonish. Mm. Like, I, you, I just want to destroy the world. Why? Yeah. What's going on there? I want yeah. this. Or what, it's, I want a golden palace. Yeah, right? like, <laughs> whatever. Okay, it's cool. like, I don't understand who you are uh-huh. or why you yeah. want these things. Um they end up being superficial and not very nuanced. Yeah. Uh, right. But the nuance comes from understanding that that character's humanity. How do I express that character's humanity no matter how horrible they are? Yeah. Um, and then that makes them, uh, I remember there was, there's, there's footage of Hitler um, with a dog, like petting a dog or something. And it, I think it's color footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and a, when, it's a golden shepherd. Or it's a, 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 a German shepherd. German shepherd. Yeah. yeah. When it was That's discovered, I know exactly what you're talking about. When it was discovered, uh, a lot of people objected to showing it because it humanized Hitler. Yeah, and it's like, no, mm-hmm. that's what you have to do. You have to humanize Hitler. Hitler wasn't a monster out of out from outer space. He was a human just like Which you. Which is way scarier. Way scarier. And it also makes the point that if you think that it's just some anomaly and he was some space creature, then you're not looking out for him. Mm-hmm. It just makes you more susceptible. Yes. Right. Everybody goes, not us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh boy, here we go. Yeah. Um, and uh, fantastic tactic. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, make him a monster and then then you're not looking for it in a human being. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just don't think. You always hear those stories. Though. Like, like, this guy was a serial killer and then they'll find out that, like, yeah, but he always made his kids pancakes on Sunday mornings and <laughs> be like how uh, yeah it's complicated right well I mean think about it there were there were uh, Nazis who worked in camps or whatever or who did horrible things who went home and they had kids and yeah. you know what I mean and yeah. had Christmas and you know like you know people didn't stop celebrating Christmas just because they were killing people you yeah. know they, uh-huh. they yeah that's like I, I wish I you saw more of that in stories because that complicates things yeah, but it's true. But it's true. But that's it com- why it'll be better. Yeah, but it com- that's the truth that I'm talking about. Yes. Tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, in your other book, you said if you want to impact people deeply, you have to tell the truth. You have to. You have mm-hmm. to go, guess what? And the truth is, we're all the same. Right. So with that in mind, how does that change the decisions you're making right now in your story? Right. Right. Um, it. I, I think it elevates the work. Well, what's funny, there's another quote you have in here that it's a funny quote, but... Uh, it's um, it's so good. It's 
it, it it's the uh, what is they what do they call it like the the wise fool right uh-huh. um and uh yogi berra said uh-huh you can observe a lot of uh, a lot just by watching right right like that's such a good quote <laughs> yeah the cool thing is like if you don't believe in the golden theme go look around yeah right mm-hmm. I, I think you said even in another section of the book you talked about how um you pretty much like you don't need a degree to figure out how you said it better than that but pretty much like just just the amount of just by simply taking a minute and observing mm-hmm. um pretty much the world will teach you what you need to know type of a thing like you can you if you just go to if you look at the world from the standpoint of we're all the same mm-hmm. things start actually making a ton more sense yeah doesn't mean it's easier no if anything it's more complicated yeah, it's more complicated right but you can observe this mm-hmm yeah, I think that something happened. Um, th- there's something about literacy. Um, we are. It's interesting how we control it. Who gets it? Who doesn't get it? Right. Um, so early on, who who got to read? Well, people with money, or people maybe in the church. Oh yeah. And people, right? But we don't want regular people. Yeah. Right. Same thing during slavery. We can't have those people reading, right? Same thing in other countries where they don't want girls going to school, right? The way and literacy is controlled in this country too by um, good school systems, yep, right? Good schools, which are wealthier people, yep, and poorer schools, right? Because it's all property tax, yep, taxes that decide whether your school is good Mm -hmm. or bad, right? And if you don't believe that, go look up the top schools in your city and you can see it on a map. It's the great. Like yeah, here in Seattle, mm-hmm. we were living right off of, of 99, which is a part of town. And it's funny, like you would see the school across the street from our house was like a four, and then a school a mile up the road would be a ten. Mm-hmm. And you can watch, you can just look at it on a map and yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah. And those maps were yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Those maps got created by government policies and whatever. Uh-huh. But right, but. So what happens is it's a really good. I, I, this is interesting because a lot of uh, poorer people in this country are are black or people of color, uh-huh. right? And so they end up in these schools. So this is a way of controlling literacy, right? Yeah. Um, and then so, but it's an interesting thing. I, I met a woman who um, a white woman who grew up in a black neighborhood, and she was an A student at her school, but then she went to college. And she flunked out of college because she was getting a substandard education because of where she was going to school. Interesting. I'm like, oh, you had a black experience because I totally did. Like, so you can be an A student in a poorer school that isn't challenging you and then go to college and be completely unprepared. Um, Right. But anyway, but she just got caught in a system that wasn't designed to control her. She was just poor and white and lived in this neighborhood. Uh Um, But sometimes people get caught in that net. Right. But the system does not believe we're all the same. The system, the, the system, especially the way that system was set up, when it was set up, no, it didn't believe that at all. But according to the Declaration of Independence. Right. But that's the thing that everybody quotes, right? Mm-hmm. Right? That's the thing that everybody quotes. Yeah. Right? Um, in a way, um, what that does is it sows the seeds of the destruction of the country the way it was. Mm. Because all that anybody ever says... Um, um, Martin Luther King has a thing where he says that or he has a speech where he's like somewhere I read that all men were created equal <laughs> uh-huh. somewhere I read yeah. uh-huh. blah 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 blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. somewhere right. I read mm-hmm. right yep. because all that 
people fighting them for their rights were saying is, hey, this is the contract. This is what you said. Yeah, that's right. Right? It says, isn't this your signature? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah right? Yeah. So in the United States be doing this, this is what we yeah. say we do. Man, that section of that speech, though. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. Yeah. Well, he was good at that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like goosebumps just thinking about it. It's crazy. Yeah. But 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 that's the problem, right? Like, I, I think some people acknowledging we're all the same is different than taking action or putting it in action. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, I got a bad review of uh, the golden theme and this woman said uh, that it was a naive, that I was being naive and that um, she's like, I've lived long enough to know I have nothing in common with Saddam Hussein or whatever and this and that. I'm like, that person scares me. Right. One of the things I, I talk about and, and Mother Teresa has become a controversial figure now, but um, because, well, she was doing this, but she was all whatever. I, I don't know all the stuff that she did that. But 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 one of the things she said about doing what she did and she said, one day I realized there was a Hitler inside of me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, if you can see that in yourself you're better off than the person who can't see that in mm-hmm. themselves because they are not, they, they are not inoculated yeah. against it. Yeah. They have no defenses against it. Yeah. Once you realize that you're running with scissors. Yeah. Slow down. Yeah. Consider. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The power you have. Right. Yeah. Be careful. Yeah. Or, or when you find yourself like, uh, you may have a bias and when yeah. you find yourself dehumanizing mm-hmm. somebody else, you might yeah. go, wait a minute. Right. Yep. Wait a minute. Oh, this is how it starts. I need a backup. Yep. Right? Um, yeah. It's a good thing to know about yourself that you're just like everybody else. Yeah. But we have also this idea of the, in this culture of the rugged individual and we yeah. love being individuals and, and we have a lot of stock in that. We place yeah. a lot, put a lot of stock in that. But ultimately, I don't think it does as much good. Mm-hmm. It might do us good personally. I don't think it does as good um, uh socially or you know a bit not only do i agree with that at the high level but also just straight up from a story perspective it hasn't made stories better mm-hmm. it hasn't made stories better no they're because, awful. because it's not true yeah it just it just isn't well it's like i what i say about the graduate right mm-hmm. i don't like the movie the graduate i know people love it whatever yeah. but, right but i don't like it and the reason i don't like it is because it did not let me in it did not tell me how that person was like me. Yeah. Right? Here's a guy who, from my perspective, had every opportunity. Yeah. You know? Oh, you're going to go to this school and study this, and he seemed to live in a yeah, pretty yeah. nice house and yeah. a pretty nice area. Got the new Italian car. and yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, what are you whining about? Yeah. Like, all that's all I could see. Yeah. Because the filmmakers didn't bother to invite me in. Yeah, Mike Nichols. Yeah. But, well, the, but it was funny because when we talked about this before, I said, like, it's funny. It didn't even occur to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I was in on the joke. Right. I totally didn't. I still don't. I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess that's a real thing, that kind of angst. I don't get it. Um, And that's their fault. Yeah. My, my, that's Mike Nichols' fault. Yeah, Mike and, Nichols and, and kind then, of found uh, a different way in. Yeah, and uh, Buck Henry wrote the script. Mm. So, uh, yeah. They, they didn't bother to invite me in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was an assumption. Right. Everybody will get this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it at all. Yeah. Still don't. But if you would approach from the standpoint we're all the same, it's like, well, I got to make sure that this yeah. is clear. Right. So, that, oh, I see what's going on here. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Because I did not get it. 
It's uh, there's that Rick Rubin quote where he said, "It's hard to get really depressed until your dreams come true." Mm-hmm. That's what that movie's about. Okay. Yeah. But they should have told you that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Even yeah. then. But I know you know what it's about. But I'm just right. saying, like, that's why it was funny when you told me that. I was like, oh, that's that's hilarious because I ne- I always knew. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of. It's insider baseball. Right. I think there are a, there's a lot of that. Because yeah. Of, because of who gets to do it. Yeah, 100%. Right. Um, and they go, this is a universal experience. It's like, it totally is not a universal experience. Yeah, yeah. You got the pool in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, you, you know when you're hanging pool, out with this like yeah. 40 year old boy, like it's like, <laughs> yeah. Huh. yeah. I didn't, so I didn't have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. But yeah, it's just, it's interesting. Um, I think that's another, um, it's another case for diversity. Yeah. Right. That not everybody's story is getting told. And what that says is we're not learning the golden theme. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Right? We're yeah. not learning it because certain stories are not getting told. Yeah. Right? Uh, so that keeps us separated. Yes, which is a great way to control people. Yeah. But if we're telling, every, if we're telling everybody stories. We go like, oh, yeah. That person's like, oh, I get that. Yeah. That's like me. Oh, I understand. I've never been part of that world, or that part of the world, but that totally makes sense. It's just like my family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's right? like that book, The Family of Man. I wish it had a different yeah. title mm-hmm. because of when it was made. It's called yeah. The Family of Man. Yeah. It should be humanity or something. No, that book's insane. But it's insane because it's all just pictures from all over the world. Like, here's a wedding. Yes. Here's a funeral. Here are kids playing uh-huh. from all over the world. And you just, all you see is what's the same. Yes. That's all you see. All that other stuff disappears. The cultural yep. difference. All that disappears. Yeah. And all you see is, oh, it's a family. Yeah. Oh, it's kids playing. Oh, it's a wedding. You go. You don't go. That's how they do weddings. And so you, yeah. you, all that line disappears. Yep. Yeah. That's no, beautiful. It's amazing. It is an amazing that book. book. Is insane. It Curating is. that book would have been bonkers. The work that must have gone into that book. Mm-hmm. Because it's the photos are in, like yeah. That book we got a link to that. That's a fantastic book. Yeah. But it's such a good visual representation of what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. You're like, well, yeah. What? What? Mm-hmm. What's the deal? This, yeah. Here's a family eating in this part of the world. Here's a family in this part of the world. It's it's, it's the same. It's just the, uh, what do you call it? The container's different? Yeah. Like, it's like a genre where it's like, yeah, but it doesn't yeah doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it means nothing. Um, and when that line disappears, it's a really interesting, it's, well, it's the overview effect. Yes. Right? It's a different version of the overview effect. And the overview effect should just, if anything, just make us have more empathy for each other. Yeah. Because we're the same. I think it does do that. I think that's the power of that book when people see it. You know what's funny is you have a line in here. I just, um, for another thing we were talking about before this, for that project we were working on, uh-huh. I found this line and I went and I, I told um, another person here, I was like, because we were just having this conversation. Okay, so you said this in, the, in your book and it says, you were actually talking about August, your, um, your friend, who was a writer, we've talked about him before, but he said that he taught me that if you reach for humanity in others, you will find it within yourself. That is what we're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. if you can, that would you call that effect above the globe? The uh, overview. I overview think it's, I effect. Think that's what it's called. So the idea that when you reach for the humanity in others, you will find it within yourself. Like, when you see the humanity, when you see the sameness in others, you'll also see it in yourself. And then that's what brings everybody together. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It makes it harder and harder for us to not only destroy each other, 
but also it also helps us not write dead flat characters. Right. So I'm just saying, even if you don't buy into the rest of it, yeah, this will make you a better writer just by understanding um, the golden theme. I think so. Right. Yeah. And the cool thing is, you can actually read the book about it. But uh, like I said, it was funny. I was looking at this um, my shelf, and I was like, we'd never talked about this. Yeah. But I think about this a lot. Like when I'm sitting down to write something, mm-hmm. or even here, like when we're writing, doing a campaign or something, I, I'm like, well, let's just let's just remember. The super objective, the right. golden theme is we're the same. So if we right. if we lose sight of that, we know it won't work because it's no longer true. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, because that is another thing I looked at was super objective, right? Um, which is uh, Stanislavski, I think, mm-hmm. and he was talking about who's an acting, you know, the the uh, the, the yeah, acting uh-huh. guy, and uh, he talked about objectives in a scene. So. Um, I might have a super objective, which is um, I need to get enough money to do X, Y, and Z to have this surgery. So yep. my super objective yeah. is to have this surgery. Like Dog Day Afternoon or something. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but there's an objective in the scene, which yeah. is to get you to give me money, maybe. Right, yep. Right, or to get you to trust me, right? Yep. But the super objective is the bigger thing. Yep. Right? So I thought about that as a possible – maybe that's why I came up with super theme. I, I can't yeah. remember, but I, there, you know, but I was like, no, that's not it. There's something – there's something better about golden. Yes. Right? Golden rule, mm-hmm. which I talk about in there a little yep. bit. Right? Which is what that says over yeah. and over again. The golden rule says just that. Oh, yeah. And what's cool, the golden rule, you, then you also quoted like all the major kind of faiths that they all have the similar. Similar. Kind it's of all thing. the same. Yeah. Same type. Yeah. They, everybody had one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A golden rule type thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of them. Yeah. But boy, there's something. It's so simple. That's the problem with it. Like, it's so simple that if you sit down to write whatever it is you're writing, it could be a shoot, it could be a song, it could be a movie, it could be and going like, whatever you do with this, don't forget we're all the same. Mm-hmm. And that will give a, uh, a strength and a truth to your work um, that you wouldn't have if you don't approach it from that standpoint. Yeah, I think that's true. Right? Yeah. So it's a sticky note that goes next to your desk. Yeah, I think right? so. Yeah. When you get lost... Come back to this. Yeah, for every character, for every scene, whatever. One of the things that makes me crazy, uh, I was just talking about this with, um, you know, that show, that movie, The Us, the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh uh, That uh, Jordan Peele did. Yeah, yeah. Right? Get Out, I liked. Us, I I didn't like. And there are people who liked it, don't write me. But here's the thing. If you remember, there's a little girl. Did you see it? No. Oh. There's a scene where a little girl's at a. There you know me, car. man. I don't like. You don't like scary movies. But um, <laughs> there's a, there's a scene with a girl at a uh, with a family at a like a carnival. Yeah. And uh, this little girl wanders off, which I guess that could happen. Sure, she wanders off, but she wanders off and then onto the beach. It's nighttime and it's dark, and she's all by herself. She's pretty young, all by herself. And then there's a crazy looking fun house, and she goes into the fun house, and it's all isolated. And I'm like, that's a lie. Oh, 100%. That's a lie. I see lies like that all the time. It makes me crazy. That's a lie. I don't yeah. believe anything that happens now because you just lied to me Yep. about how people behave. Yeah. Right? If you know the golden theme, you go, I would never do that. I can't think of anybody who would do that. What's happening is the writer wants her to do that. Yes. Right? He's not being a slave to the story. Right. Right? Yeah. He's what? imposing his agenda on it. Yeah. Like, no, it just, you, yeah, that happens all the time. Yeah. Um, you, you have to know why people are doing things. And if you go, well, what would I do? Yeah. <laughs> right? That's a better, 
that's a better thing. Oh, I wouldn't do that. Okay, then don't make your character do it. Yep. I wouldn't get in the car with that stranger. Well, then your character can't do it either. Yep. Right? Go for another walk. Think of another solution. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. Or find the reason that you would, uh-huh. you know. I, I think I told you this story about when they were writing the movie Key Largo. And uh, they're writing this movie Key Largo, which is a Humphrey Bogart yeah. movie. Um, and John Huston wrote it and directed it. But one of the, the co-writer was a uh, uh, Richard Brooks, another guy who became a director. But they were writing it together. And at the end of the movie, they have to find a reason for Humphrey Bogart to get on this boat with these bad guys. And so they're thinking about it. And they're like, how are we going to get this guy on this boat? And Richard Brooks said to, um, to John Huston, he says, uh, well, wait, he's got to get on. It's the end of the movie. And John Huston said, if I were in Humphrey Bogart's position, I might get on that boat for a lot of reasons. But the end of the movie is not one of them. Like we <laughs> yeah, have to think so of good. a real, yeah, yeah. We have to think of a real reason. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, but that's what people do. They go, well, it's the end of the movie. Let's get on the boat, and then they yep. put them on the boat, and uh-huh. then you don't believe it anymore. Totally. I I told you like uh, you talk about that. I, I told you my wife and I, but she's been watching. Um, uh, it's always sunny, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'll watch a couple of episodes, but I get tired of it really quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why? It's like, because it's bullshit. It's not true. Not, like, you can't live like that and not have consequences. Like, I'm not saying it's not funny sometimes or whatever, but the problem is, is it doesn't last. Yeah. It's like cotton candy's good. If you try to live off cotton candy. Right. Right. It's more of like, you can call it mindless or whatever, but the, the big problem is, what is the actual issue with the show is it's just not true. Right. Right. That's yeah. why people might think it's funny, but it will not last. Mm-hmm. No one's going to be talking about it in 20 years. I'm not, we'll do with that, whatever you want to do with that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, but they will still be talking about, you know, mash. If you look at the early Simpsons too. Yeah. Early I Simpsons know. had some truth in there. Yeah, man. They did. Like whatever we can do with it. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We did have a question. All right. I don't think you know anything about this question. I, I did see a question. Let's hear the question. Okay, so we got a question from Drew, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I'm going to come out, cut out some of it to kind of get to like the meat of the question. Um, what he said was, uh, it seems possible to come up with an interesting idea first and a narrative impetus second and still produce a great story, assuming that you don't go overboard with the interesting ideas, maybe limiting them to one or two. Do you think it is such a bad idea to work this way? One reason I ask this question is because when I try to start with my armature, I can't help but feel uninspired. My inspiration comes mostly from music and visuals rather than themes. I'm a visual artist and musician, by the way. Thanks so much, Drew. What are your thoughts on that way of working? Well, I talk about it a little bit in Invisible Ink. I talk about those different ways of working, right? Mm-hmm. Visual artists tend to want to work a certain way. Yeah. Um, it's almost as if uh, when 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 uh, a friend of mine was in art school, um, he was going to school for illustration. But what he was taught was, um, but they were also learning design, graphic design. And what he was taught was, designers are often not good illustrators and illustrators are often not good designers. Hmm. It's like, it's two different parts of the brain. It doesn't mean that they don't go together. It means they often don't go together. Uh, Some people can do both. Um, So it's a little like that. So it's, it's a difficult thing for people who are apt to go, well, I just come up with visuals first. That's what sparks my imagination. Um, 
that's a difficult, it's a difficult adjustment to do the other thing. Um, but because I don't like, it's hard to do it the other way. That's why I don't do it is not an excuse, mm-hmm. right? It's hard. It's just going to be hard. Um, so that doesn't make any sense to me. The other thing is, I guarantee you, I know when I'm watching a story that was created with imagery first, I can feel it. Hmm. I can I can feel it. I know it. Like I go, yeah, that's random, that's random, that's random. Oh, they thought this was a cool scene. They thought this was a cool this. They thought that was cool. I told you I was working at a uh, at a studio and um, they they had all this artwork on the wall. They were trying to develop a story and they were like, yeah. well, how does this picture get in the story and how does this picture get in the They didn't have any story. All they had were they had a concept and yeah. drawings. I'm like, you can always do more drawings. So let's forget about those drawings and trying to string them together and make a story. Let's make a story first. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so they were starting with a bunch of disconnected drawings and they were trying to build a story around the drawings. Yeah. And I can always tell the difference. Mm-hmm. I can always see it. The problem is this. People will often, I've noticed this, if, especially if somebody saw something when they're a child or young. Yeah. They never reassess Correct. their taste. Yep. They never go, oh, I was six and I thought that was good. They go, well, that was obviously good. Yes. Or, or I noticed that, and that's true of almost everybody, they never think that they could be wrong. Yeah. They always go, so what happens is people will say to me, um, you say we have to have an armature and all these things, mm-hmm. but what about Fist in the Face 2? That did, you know, they pick a movie. Uh-huh, like, yeah. It's like a terrible movie. Fist in the Face 2 doesn't do that. And I'm like, what do you, I, I don't understand yeah. what you're asking Oh, me. dude, I, I told you. I used to think Flight of the Navigator was a masterpiece. Because mm-hmm. I saw it when I was however old, and I was like, my God, yeah. you cannot make a better movie than <laughs> Flight of the Navigator. Yeah. And then I got it in college. <laughs> And I was like, oh, man, I haven't seen this. I was just like, what the hell was I talking about? I do. I have that wall in there of like my favorite directors, mm-hmm. filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Tim Burton came down. Oh, you took him down. Yeah, I had to. Wow. I was yeah. like, oh, I can't do it. Yeah. This isn't a wall for art directors. This is a right. wall for directors. Right. And yeah. people probably are going to like that. But you understand how big I was. I have like original artwork from Tim Burton. Yeah. And to go like, ah, oh, dang it. The more I learn, I'm like, dude, he's a killer art director. He's a great art director. And, and But it was like, but that's not what this is. Right. Right? And that sucks to do because you're emotionally connected. Right. Right? Yeah. But at some point, you got to go, hey, man, the flight of the navigator thing. Right. I just, you know, I was seven or whatever. Yeah. So sometimes people will go, oh, that was a great story and it didn't do that. It's like, was it? Yeah. Go watch Dumbo. And I'm not talking about Tim Burton's. Go watch the original Dumbo. Yeah. It's 60 minutes and it drags like crazy. <laughs> There's also yeah. a ton of racist stuff in there. Yeah, there is. But I'm just saying, I was like, oh, I'll watch this again. I'm, I'm like falling asleep. Yeah. The best part is to do it with kids, like I told you with my kids, because they're not fooled by it. Right. The visuals will hold them for like 10 minutes. Right. And then they'll start looking around. and. It's funny because Dumbo got made without Walt around. I can feel that. Yeah, Walt left because he was mad because of the strike that was happening. And so he took a trip to South America. Oh, is that when all that went down? Yeah. yeah. They, made, they made their good. Oh, good. Walt's gone. We can make a movie. <laughs> and uh, that, that Dumbo's the movie they made yeah. without, without Walt. Yep. Because um, Walt was the story person. He was yeah. this walking script of Disney. But I bet a bunch of people right now are going like, but I love Dumbo. It's like, watch it again. No bullshit. Just, <laughs> just like before you start getting mad, watch it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people don't. 
So, all this to say mm-hmm. that um, reevaluate what you think is good. You may come out thinking it's still good, but <coughs> I swallowed wrong. I don't have the virus. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Shut down the studio. We're not allowed to go anywhere. We're sitting in here for like 72 hours. Thanks, Brian. Here we go. Somebody put rice under the door or whatever so we can survive. Yeah. Um, so um, uh, what was I saying? Oh, so so the question is sort of loaded, right? Because it's saying some stories work without this, but I don't think they do. Mm-hmm. So... And, and he can, cites a story in the original email that we're not going to get into because it's too complicated, but... I don't want to get into it. But yeah. he has to rewatch that story. Yeah. Yeah. I don't... Yeah. I understand why he cited it, you know, but we, we can't talk about it. I don't like yeah. talking about specific movies it anyway. Just, yeah, it's a pain. Because people are emotionally uh, connected yeah. and they go, but it must be good because I like it. Uh-huh. Right? Or it must be good because it made money. Yeah. Which is... That's not true either. Mm-hmm. So... um uh, but I can always see the difference. Um, I will say this. There was something about, for me, N- Nemo, if we're talking about Pixar movie, mm-hmm. Nemo is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody has a favorite for various reasons. But one of the things that I I find about that movie, there's a kind of magic in that movie. And I think because Andrew Stanton started with what he wanted to say. Mm-hmm. He started there, and everything grew out from it. Yeah, um, and you can feel that. Uh, it's it's really focused, really really focused. Um, and and it's funny because, um, I think I've talked about it before, but sometimes people say, "Do you have any guilty pleasures?" You know, movie wise, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't think so because I what they're saying without meaning to say it is sometimes I just like something. Mm-hmm. right and and it doesn't matter that it's bad yeah right i just like it yeah okay that's fine what i like is that it works that's what i'm responding to like i like yeah. the craftsmanship yeah. i'm a watchmaker yeah that's what i was about to say it's the watchmaker piece yeah i'm a watchmaker does it keep time yes it's a good watch yeah. right it's like it, but it this could watch be a casio a roll you're like hey does care. it keep time does it keep time i'm a watchmaker yeah. Right. That's what I find. Be- Look at the way the gears fit together. That's what I find beautiful about. Uh, it. That's what I like about it. Yeah. Right. That it works. Uh-huh. Um, but other people like something maybe on the surface. Like I like spaceships, so I liked it. I like fast cars, so I liked it. You know, or whatever it is. Yeah. I lived in a house like that, so I liked it. Whatever. I like those colors. Somebody I lived t- in a house like that. I want to hear that one time. Somebody say like, you know, I lived in a house like that, so I like that movie. People will say stuff like that. Yeah. Somebody told me to watch a movie because um, it was a really good movie because there were a lot of blues and yellows in it. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, people will pick like random things that they like and go, yeah. how could how could people not like this movie? Did you see it? Did you because see all the blues and yellows yeah, in it? <laughs> yeah. They will pick something that they personally respond to mm-hmm. and think, well, I don't know, people must be crazy if they don't, if they're not into this. Yeah. Blue if you haven't seen this. Yeah. Um, but does it work? Does it keep time? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and so uh, I would say that, that most people... Um, have an emotional response for some reason they can't define and then they try to you know they they make it fit the logic yep right well this must be good because i like it and i will keep bending i see people do that all the time in my classes they will bend the rules to fit the thing they like yeah instead of going does the thing i like even work yeah 
They don't want to question that, and that means they have a blind spot. It me, you know, you have to be willing to die a little bit to get good at this. Yeah, for right? sure. Yeah, you know, like oh, I guess that has to go by the wayside because it doesn't work. Like you can still like it for whatever reasons, but there's stuff I liked that I learned more, and I went like I've talked about it, Silverado. Uh-huh. I used to love that movie when it came out. I loved it. I saw it a bunch of times. It was Lawrence Kasdan. He'd written Raiders of the Lost Ark and Empire Strikes Back. And I'm like, I was in. And uh, there's some good work in Silverado, but it doesn't hold together as a movie. Um, it, the first act is weird. I don't know what's about. Or but Lawrence Kasdan can still be a badass. Oh, yeah. That, I think people, when they hear us talk this way, yeah. it's like we're saying the people that made it are no. awful. No. No. Lawrence Kasdan. Look, if you write the Empire Strikes Back and Raiders of the Lost Ark, you're, You're good, good in my book. You're good. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. You're good. Um, so I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Like, I just want to make that clear because I feel yeah. like sometimes people think we're saying the, these people are not good at. No, no, yeah. yeah. Anybody can make a mistake, yeah, uh-huh. you know, or be misguided or, yeah. or you know, whatever. That, you know, that's fine. Like, oh, I thought this would work and it didn't work, or I thought it could start. But to, pre- but to pretend like it worked. Yeah. Right is not actually helpful. No, I don't think it's helpful, and it's it, it is weird to watch people bend the rules to fit their taste. Um, I see it all the time, but I like that movie, which is not an argument, mm-hmm. right? I often will lay out a cogent. Well, here they set up this, and they didn't pay this off. Here they did this, and then they didn't promise. Yeah. They did. And then the people will say, "But I like that movie." It's like you know that's not an argument, right? That's just taste. Yeah, I gave you. I laid out a case, uh-huh. right? It, if you were in a law, if it was a legal situation, I go, this is why this guy is guilty. And the other lawyer goes, well, he seems innocent to me. Like you didn't make an argument. You know what I mean? Or, well, I just disagree. Yeah. You're like, okay. Yeah. Well, well, can you make a case? Well, no, I, I'm not interested in making a case. You have to make a case if you're going to make an argument. So, um, so could you start? Yes. Purely with music and visuals and I guess what I'm trying to figure out is Drew saying, do you think Drew's saying, is it possible to back into your armature? Because it feels like that's yes. totally possible. Yes, you can back into your armature. The prob- Here's the problem. Of course you can. First of all, um, he, I think there's a th- problem he's having with armature, but we'll get to that in a second. There's a couple ways you can back into your armature. So, yeah, you could start with anybody. Can, you can be sparked by anything. Stories come from anywhere, right? Yeah. Like, you can, anything can spark the idea. Yeah. That's totally valid, right? It could be a word or a yeah. sentence you read someplace or a thing you see or a cloud in the sky. Like yeah. None of that makes any difference. Yep. Pretty quickly, you better figure out why you're telling that story. Fairly quickly. Um, the problem is often what people do is do what I said was happening in that studio, which is they have a lot of things and they don't want to throw any of that stuff away. Mm-hmm. And they're fitting things in where they don't belong oh and you can feel that too you'd be like why was that scene there you can totally and you can it dragged and it's like yeah but you know it was the director's favorite fi- you know yeah. scene mm-hmm. you can you can feel it you just cut out a bunch of stuff of your new book and you said that it was because it wasn't fitting mm-hmm. and and even the publisher was like why are you cutting this you're like well it didn't fit the visuals yeah and it was like what i thought was interesting about that it was like even your publisher was like, you don't have to take that out. And you're like, no, I need to. Mm-hmm. Even though I wrote it this way, I now see the artwork and I go, it doesn't work. So you took it out, mm-hmm. regardless of the amount of work it added and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's not important. Nobody nobody cares about that. You know, it, you know, I have a friend who's a photojournalist 
um, and he used to do a lot of photo editing and he's putting together a story, one of the things he would say to photographers is the amount of effort it took to take the picture has no bearing on whether or not it's going to make the story, right? Oh, I was hanging out of a helicopter on the side of a mountain. You yep. got to put that shot in. It's like that has nothing to do with the story we're telling. So yep. thanks for your effort, but it doesn't This fit. guy shot something on his iPhone. We're going to run with that because it actually tells the story. Tells the story, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's just a better decision ultimately, yeah. right? Uh, but it's hard for people to make that decision when they fall in love with things. Right. Right. So the, the danger is that you'll fall in love with things and you'll make them make sense in your imagination. Well, I can fit. I can get it in there. But I like the mouse with the cowboy hat on roller skates. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Remember that one? Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's not going to help you, though. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's one thing. Uh, one way to back into your armatures to figure out how your character changes. Oh, there you go. Right. Character starts off this way and ends up that way. Mm-hmm. If you do that, you can actually not have an armature if you know how your character changes and why they change. Because mm. you don't have to be able to articulate it. You will have one. Yeah. Right? So if you have a character that goes from being, let's say you were writing A Christmas Carol, and you had a guy who was who goes from being selfish to selfless, mm-hmm. you'll have an armature. Yeah, it'll be there. It'll be there, right? So that's one way to back into it if mm-hmm. you have a hard time articulating But it still has a conclusion. It still has right. a point. Yeah, it still has a, a point. So it, that works. The other thing is, it sounds like when people are having trouble with an armature, they're trying to think of some artificial thing to say. Uh, right? Oh, what could I say? I could say, there's so many things I could say, right? Instead of going, yeah. what do I believe in? What has the world taught yeah, yeah. me so far about how it works? Yeah, because if you're not passionate about cleanliness is next to godliness then why are you going to spend two years on them <laughs> yeah exactly right? yeah. yeah there's something you know find is something tr- that you know that's true yeah that you give a shit about yeah right it, yeah and that's how you come up with an armature yeah look inside not yeah. outside uh-huh the arm the the the, the armature is in you yeah so all of a sudden you go like, for you, I imagine if you sat down and wrote something, it's like, you have to write something, Brian, and the armature is, we're all the same. You'd probably be able to come up with something. Sure. Because you care about it, right? right. But if you gave it to that woman who said, in the review, I think it was a woman, but she yeah. said, um, I'm, I, I, I've lived too long to know that's true. Yes. Right? I don't have anything in common with Saddam Hussein or whatever uh, it was. Yeah. Right? Well, she, don't give her that armature. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because she, she can't it's write like, it. It's like, Drew, you got to look inside yourself, man. Yeah. What have you survived? Yeah. What do you know well, about we're the We're saying something. Yeah. Because he's like, when I start that way, I'm uninspired. Well, you don't have the right armature. Right. What is unique about... See, that's the funny thing. We talk about this, too. We'll say, like, all this stuff that you're, you explain... Like, because you'll teach class here and you'll teach all the play it's like it's not that the whole goal is not to just be like brian no right you know what i'm saying it's like drew the goal is for you to just be yourself right these are these are principles that will help you do that amplify that Mm -hmm. right and do a better job that's it at this end of the day though like it's not brian's story right drew what's your story man Mm -hmm. what do you have to give the world yeah. That will genuinely help people. What have you survived that will somebody help someone else survive? Yeah. That's you being the best version of yourself. That's all that this is for. Right. So if you have, if you've heard the podcast a bunch and you're going, well, some things are more important than money. I guess that's the armature. It's like, well, that, then it's that's not, not your yeah. armature. Yeah. Yeah. You have to believe the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever written in a, a, a book in the armature and you're like, I just don't. No. Yeah, because it's like, how painful is it to write the book, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Or the script. Yeah. No, I couldn't do that. 
Um, no, you have to believe it. Yeah. And you have to believe it passionately. And Stanton, Andrew Stanton, right? Yeah. He had that observation on the playground or whatever. Right. right? It's It was a real thing for him. Right. Oh, I can't be overprotective. Yes. Right? I'm not letting my kid grow because yeah. I'm being overprotective. Right. Right? That he noticed that about himself and said, hey, there's a story in there. Yeah. And did Nemo. And everything in Nemo is about that. Right. It's about a father and a son. Yeah. I mean, like, it's it couldn't be more personal. Yeah. And I'm sure for him, when he watches it, he sees all these things with him and his child like yeah. that we don't even see. Yeah. Right? But it's like, Drew, find that for yourself, man. Yeah. So just, yeah, you, you've you survived something. Yeah. Everybody has survived. Well, he's a fine artist. I'm sure that's not easy. Like, right, yeah. Think about it. How, what was the path like to get there? Like, Yeah. There's something you've survived, right? So um, tap into that. Tap into something you have observed is true. Mm-hmm. And you, you'll have an armature. And you'll be passionate about it. But if it's this outside thing you're grasping at trying to make things like trying to fit things in it's like it's not that it's for you it's your passion man think about stuff like this and this what is something you found that it's true but also you die for it it's that important to you yeah you find that you got yourself a story no kidding that's the truth but that one's gonna hurt yeah good luck with that drew (laughs) (laughs) if it hurts a little bit yeah this last book i wrote wrote was painful yeah really painful to write and not for the reasons people thought. They were, oh, you're talking about your brother's murder and stuff. There were other things in there. It, it won't be out for, I don't know when it'll come out, but uh, um, people will see. But it was painful. It was hard. But that's why it's worth, like, I, it's funny because when we do the stuff we do here, at least, um, we'll do a belief session, which is really just about trying to figure out the armature for an organization. Uh, but the funny thing is I'll say like, if you read it and it doesn't scare you, it's wrong. Right. If it doesn't scare you, then like, what are we doing this for? Right. Right. It needs to be something worth surviving. Right. It needs to be something personal. Right. Right. And that's why it's going to impact people. Like I can't help but think the last couple books you've been writing have been a lot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Martin Luther King said, uh, a man that's that, that a man who doesn't have something he would die for isn't fit to live. Right? Yeah, that's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Martin did die for yeah. something he believed in. Yeah. He he lived that out. Yep. He died for something he believed in. Mm-hmm. So did Malcolm. Yep. Right? Malcolm died for something he believed in too. Mm-hmm. Find that. Yeah. You find that? I think you'll be inspired. Yeah, I think that's true. Cool. All right. Thanks for the question, though, Drew. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I hope, I hope it was a good answer for you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for watching You Are a Storyteller. If you have any questions, or if there's a storytelling topic you'd like us to cover, leave a comment below or email us at hello at beliefagency.com. <laughs>